Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Adkins, and today I'm here with Dan Eiton. Hey, hey. Second one's better anyway because I was smiling. (laughs) And even though you can't see people, I think you can actually hear when people smile sometimes. And today, we're all totted up because we have Todd Unzinger. How do you say your last name? Because I always feel Just like, like I'm... it's spelled. It's not as frightening as it looks at first. It's Unzicker. So it's okay. uh, spelled and pronounced the same. I put an NG in there somewhere. Everybody I think. does. <laughs> uh, I, I married a New England girl and her entire family. They call me Unzinger. Uh, <laughs> That's good. Hey, Toddy, how you doing? You know, that kind of thing. All right. Well, tell us what you do these days. Yeah. So uh, as of a year ago, I am the new executive director uh, for um, NC Baptist, the Baptist State Convention in North Carolina. And so uh, for the last year, we have uh, been stepping into a new role and um, leaving the local church and being a part of what God is doing there. And uh, we, our desire is that we're going to be a movement of churches that are on mission together. Hmm. So talk to me a little bit about this because I, I, you know, came out of McLean Bible and came to Lifeway and I went from working in a church to working on the church. Mm-hmm. What's that been like for you, and how did you make that decision? It's been decision? A, great, a great transition. I mean, uh, I spent the last 10 years primarily being a send, what we call the sending pastor. Yeah. Um, so overseeing you know, international missions, you know, local church planning in North America, and then local outreach you know, in, in the Raleigh-Durham area where I, I live. Um, and so there was all lots of collaboration, right? Like um, when you're doing international missions and church planning and local outreach, you're going to work with lots of partners, lots of other churches. Right. And so um, for the end of the day, I know everybody says this in Baptist life, but we, we really were happy at our local mm, church. Right. But when this opportunity came to lead um, the efforts uh, of, of ministry and missions uh, with the Baptist State Convention, we just felt like, hey, with um, 4,200 churches on the, on the roll, um, what if God could use us to influence 10% of those? Mm-hmm. Um, we really believe we could turn the world upside down doing that. And so it seemed right to us and the Holy Spirit, as it says in Acts. And uh, it's been a great uh, first year, not only um, first year professionally, but it's been great for my family. That's awesome. So when you look at um, denominations and networks, uh, you know, why are they still important to the to the church. I mean, when, when you, cause somebody could say, well, we've kind of grown past that, you know, we, we needed churches. We needed, uh, uh, churches to gather together and, you know, to do these big things, uh, in the past. Now I can do a lot of the stuff that the denomination does or my network does. Sure. Uh, there's, Lots of factors, lots of things that you said there that I would touch on. First one I would say is theologically, why do we partner together? I think theological, there's a basis Hmm. that um, Paul tells us in his epistles that it's our job to make uh, every effort in unity. And so is that just unity? I know that's in the local church setting, but would that somehow preclude other churches, gospel-centered churches? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. We see descriptive we see in the book of Acts and we see in, in what Paul's admonition to other churches talking about collecting for um, mission work or relief work that was going on in other parts of the world. And so we see that from the earliest formation of the church, um, partnership um, around the gospel advance um, has been a, a key component. And so I don't think that that somehow stopped. Like if anybody was to ask me that the other part, they'll say, well, I can do this on my own. Um, there are a lot of large churches that think that they could do this on their own. Hmm. Um, I was a part of a large church, but prior to that, um, I was a associational missional strategist for 30 churches. 
and uh, their big church there was 300 and everybody else was under 100. And they relied on the cooperative efforts of them coming together as an association, a state convention, and a national convention um, for gospel advance. And so we need to remember that 85% of our churches in the Baptist stream um, are under 100. And I think it's 93%. Um, Scott at Lifeway would be able to tell us more, but I think it's 93% <laughs> less than 200. Right. And so um, I think that that is a vital key role. Um, where McLean probably thinks it could do it by itself or a right. church could. The reality is both McLean, Summits, and every other large church, they use other partners to collaborate as well. Definitely. And so we just felt like, what I, I tell everybody together is we're a movement of churches on mission together. We're a movement because God is on the move. Um, we could all pack up right now and go hit the beach, um, and God's still going to move. We're mm -hmm. a movement of churches because the church is God's plan A for reaching a lost world. And uh, we're a movement of churches that are on mission. And we can be a lot about a lot of good things, but how can we help churches in their um, divinely appointed part of the Great Commission? And the last part is together. Um, yes, we're Baptist. We believe in local church autonomy. We believe in the priesthood of the believers. Um, but we can be together, united in the Baptist faith and message, and mm -hmm. say this is a baseline right. that's wide enough that allows for diversity and celebrates what your church or my church might do. Yep. But we can come together. Um, we're not a denomination. Right. We are a we are a network. We are a mm -hmm. convention of independent autonomous churches, and that's what we're trying to champion. I don't know if I can say this, but let's make Baptist great again. <laughs> um, let's emphasize believers' baptism and local church autonomy, and right. let's celebrate what churches do, and that when we come together, we come together to reach people across the street and across the globe. Well, let me uh, follow up before Dan asking uh, the, the next of the five questions. I, I want to follow up with something, because knowing your local church background, um, I would say, you know, we've talked a lot about Baptistness. Uh, what is, how do churches work in unity that, you know, beyond their, their network or beyond their denomination uh, locally or otherwise? How do they work in unity beyond their networks? Right. So uh, what I'm saying is, obviously, there's there are lines that, you know, you would probably draw as sure. far as having fellowship with, you know, this church versus that church or, or whatever. But what does that what does that look like for you at, at Summit um, or? Sure. Well, I mean, yeah. I could put my, my Summit hat back on you know, <laughs> right. from a year ago, Todd. Um, I, I would say that, um, you know, years ago, um, Dr. Moeller's theological triage was super helpful in kind of thinking through mm. at what level do we partnership with others, right? Yes. Um, I will stand on a street corner and have with Catholics protecting the rights of the unborn, um, you know, in that setting. I, um, you know, if a tornado comes through a town, I have been shoulder to shoulder with Methodists. Yes. But when there's certain things like, um, you know, when we talk church planting, we, we talk um, theological education. Right. When we talk about sending missionaries, which mm -hmm. really is... is a pioneer way of sending church planners in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there's a specificity that that, that door needs to be more narrow. Right. Um, and so uh, we look at God's common grace and we see where would we partner with certain people with. Um, and then we also leave that up to local churches. I mean, we've got in North Carolina of our 3000 participating, like really involved churches, we've got some that are all over the map that are not only single site, but they'll only work with single site. Right. Mm -hmm. And we have some that are multi-site, but they'll work with whoever. And then we have um, lots of different flavors of Baptist life. And I don't think that's a, a problem to be solved. I think that's just kind of a tension to manage. Right. Yeah. 
Well, our next question is, is, you know, thinking about a pastor listening to this podcast today, how, how, what are some of the best practices in terms of interacting with a, whether it's a network or an association or denomination, you know, what are some of the best practices, you know, as you step in this role, what do you like to see, you know, somebody do as they interact with you? How can that benefit them and their church? Or what are some, you know, opposing views of like, you know, things maybe they shouldn't be doing when they, when they interact with a, inter, you know, whether it's a network or association. Yeah. The phrase Dan I always say to, to pastors is you have not cause you ask not. I'm mm-hmm. um, like, what do you need to advance the, what God's calling you to do mm-hmm. and write me? That's what you need. I mean, I might say no, but you never know. And I want to say yes. Like, and so what I say to them is, is if the church is God's plan, a, the church is the bride of Christ um, North Carolina Baptist, we are like the bridesmaid and we can just be off to the side and we're there to support you in what you're doing to magnify a coming Jesus. And so um, I would tell pastors right now, if they want to get involved, ask their state convention, say, I need this. I need help with this. Or maybe they're saying, you know what? Here's a problem I have. You guys got any solutions? And whether that's something that we've created at our state convention office or we've curated or brought together with what, you know, what Lifeway offers, um, we want to be a resource in helping churches. And so don't be afraid to ask. I think there was a, an, a there was a paradigm that I think is completely shifted. And that is, oh, you're Baptist church. Well, then you're automatically going to be a part of your association, your state convention and the national entities. And mm-hmm. that's just quite, no questions asked. And I'm like, no, I tell every pastor, I want to earn the right to be your first and primary partner. Um, I want to be like your Alexa. You know, right. like I Google things, but I've noticed with my kids, like they just ask Alexa whenever they have a question and they just mm. do it all day incessantly. I tell them, <laughs> we've put people in North Carolina in the field. I've said every church now has an additional staff person. We're calling them a great commission catalyst. And we want to make sure that every pastor and leader knows who they are. And you call them first. If we don't do something for you, we'll connect you with someone who does. But we want to be a service um, for you. And if we're a value to pastors and to churches, then I think people give to where they find value. Um, look, Baptists, you know, we're capitalistic people. Let's bring yes. let's bring capitalism back to Baptist life and not socialism that we just automatically give because we're expected to. Um, I don't like that. And I'm like, I want to earn that. And mm. so um, we want to be the best partner to our churches that we could possibly be. Do you, do you see any um, examples of bad partnership with churches where the where the church is being a bad partner? Okay, don't have to answer. I plead the, the fifth. fifth on the grounds <laughs> I might be incriminated later. Um, absolutely. I mean, I think that, all right, so there's bad on a couple fronts, right? Uh, we live in an age, I'll just go ahead and say it, we live in an age where sadly, um, mis and disinformation, I think evangelicals and Baptists are eating with a spoon hmm. um, and lapping it up and asking for seconds. And it, it grieves my heart. And so we get a lot of, um, a lot of questions on things that um, want us to answer things that frankly aren't even happening. And right. so we spend a lot of time now it is, there's an aspect that that's discipleship, right? That's mm-hmm. like correcting. That's like the reproof. Um, but um, there also be bad partnership where if people are just, um, they're relying on their state convention to do all of their outreach efforts, whether that's across the globe mm-hmm. or across the street. Um, it's, I tell people all the time, our measuring stick is not how big our budget with NC Baptist is or how many programs we have. Mm-hmm. Our measuring stick is what our church is doing to replicate themselves, to advance the gospel, gospel globally, and to provide um, help for the hurting locally. Mm-hmm. That's good. 
So how does this, how, how does um, belonging to a denomination or network, what's that like for bigger churches versus smaller churches? Um, I think that's going to be, um, it's just the needs are just different. I mean, right. every church is going to have needs. Um, one of the things we start off with as a baseline is we tell every church, I don't care if they're 30 uh, people and, you know, it's Brushy Fork Baptist Church off the dirt road. And we've got churches like that um, all over. Or if it's a large multi-site mega church in, you know, Raleigh or Charlotte is disasters are going to strike. Get your people trained up like the Minutemen to be ready for when disaster strikes. Because mm -hmm. when disaster strikes, I want our people to be the first on the ground ministering to those who are, are so hurting. Let's let's share and and show the love of Jesus through disaster relief. That's a baseline, and I don't care what size church you can be a part of. Um, we're getting a lot of um, there's a lot of churches that are saying, "Hey, we we just want to ha have some help in reaching our local community. Uh, we want some help in putting on a VBS, or we want some help. You know, abuse is coming up right now, and they say, "Hey, we want to examine some things, and mm -hmm. we're having we don't have the expertise or the finances for that." Um, so we're coming alongside with them um, on that. We're getting some large churches that say, hey, we want to replicate ourselves and start a church planning network ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, I don't look at that as competition. I say, great. Um, multiplication always grows faster than addition. So yeah. how can we help some larger churches um, go and, and be church planting churches? And so um, treat, you can treat North Carolina Baptists. I don't care what state you're in. You can give us a call and we're going to help you. And um, you can treat us like eating fish, you know, eat the meat and spit out the bones. And um, we want to say yes and be a help in whatever God is calling that church to do to advance the gospel. Hmm. Are there any resources or things that you think would be helpful for a pastor to read? Any books that, you know, maybe not specifically about a denomination or network or something, but are, are there anything out there that would be helpful for somebody to take a look at or listen to any podcasts, things like that? Um. Well, you know, the five leadership, you know, I, maybe it's because I came to faith at 28. I was a sports reporter. I got paid to watch SEC football. I had a great career. I had my dream job because I got paid to watch <laughs> SEC football. That's amazing. You know, when I first became a believer on September 25th, um, seven days later, they had me like share at my some guys had me sharing my testimony in like an under-resourced neighborhood. Mm. And that immediately made me like, man, I gotta learn more of what's in the Bible. Mm. And so it caused me to go to like, I forgot what they call it, training unit or some sort of like study class on Sunday afternoons. I remember it killed my NFL watching, but I wanted to learn right. more mm. of what was in the Bible. Um, I can remember going on a, a disaster relief trip when a tornado came through a town and I, I wasn't qualified. I went, I was a new, new Christian, so give me grace. I went around the back of the tent and stole a yellow shirt so I could <laughs> throw it on and go help. Um, I just wanted to tell my friends in the community about Jesus. What that caused me to do was I realized that being on mission with him caused me to want to depend more on him through his word, through prayer, following the Holy Spirit's lead. And so what I tell people all the time, when we talk revitalization, we talk just maybe in a rut in someone's own spiritual life, get out and go do something. Hmm. Go be the person God's called you to be. And if we really believe that he'll equip you in that, just go do it and let him, him come along. So I, that's why mission trips are like discipleship microwaves. Go ask any one of our IMB missionaries overseas and say, what did God do to take you, um, you know, from Shalot, North Carolina to over here in South Asia? What, what happened there? Hmm. 
you've got about a 99% chance they're going to go, well, I just went on a one-week mission trip and <laughs> yep. an orphanage. Right. <laughs> um, that was my job at McLean when I worked for Todd. He was yes. the of the mission trip. So yeah. I've seen that many times over. Absolutely. So I want to give people opportunities to do that. You know, you ask books and resources. I mean, let the nations be glad. Hmm. Like, I read that, I think, the first month I was a Christian. And so for me... Being on mission was not like the SEAL Team 6 of Christianity. Mm-hmm. It was like the call of every believer. Yep. Like, like To me, that was just like what you did. Um, you know, my pastor um, wrote a book called Gaining by Losing. That has like kind of been the blueprint of my last 10 years of, you know, everything that we do from our worship service to our kids ministry, student ministry, collegiate ministry, our discipleship plan, every bit of that is about deploying people. Um, and that's the concept that God did not um, create a church and go, hmm, what should I have them do now? Um, he, from Genesis 3 through Revelation, he has been rescuing people. And now he is using the church as his primary means to to fulfill his mission. And so, um, you know, I just, those kind of principles of, you know, we want to train up defo- fully devoted followers of Jesus to send them out, that that is the measuring stick. And so in North Carolina, what we're saying is um, we want to change the scorecard. And that is how many churches, not how many people we had and what's our CP giving. Right. How many churches are we planning? How many missionaries are we sending? Um, are we really making a difference? If we closed up shop, would our state care? Mm. And so that's why things like every child, like we want to, we have a bold plan. We want to eradicate child homelessness in the state of North Carolina. There's 16,000 kids in the foster care system in North Carolina. And so with our children's wow. home, we are equipping and we licensed it through the state. We are setting up foster care training in our local churches that guess what the government pays for? And um, the government doesn't care where these 16,000 kids go. Wow. And they're going to they're gonna send them to families that don't share our values mm-hmm. and what we would believe. And so I say, let's have us be the first and say, give us kind of what Jesus did, right? Bring, me the, bring us the children. Hmm. And so um, we want to equip our state for our churches in our state to um, really make a difference here and then send more. And that's just another example of, you know, what what churches can do when they're part of a network or a denomination that, you know, they, they couldn't do necessarily on their own. So, man, thank you so much for being on the podcast again. Uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you, running into you different places. And um, just to really appreciate your heart and what you're doing. And especially now that you're in the role that you're in, I think that's going to, it's going to be amazing for churches in North Carolina. So thanks wow. so much. Thanks, man. All right. Uh, if you enjoyed today's podcast, uh, please hop on to wherever you were listening and leave us a rating or review and we'll see you next time.